Business Matters in association with ATU Donegal Faculty of Business. Now is the time to realize your potential by enrolling on the part-time degree in business. Only three years with one evening per week on campus and another online. Open up your future by contacting the faculty office on 9186206 or visit lyit.ie today. I'm Kieran O'Donnell. You're welcome to Business Matters. Later in the program, we'll be talking to the CEO of Accountant Online, Larissa Finney, who is a lead entrepreneur on the Acorns 9 programme, which begins in October. First up this week, the pavilion at Rathmullen House was the venue for last Friday's Disrupt by the Sea Shark Tank event, which saw six company founders pitched to a panel of US investors for a $100,000 cash investment. Larry Kinneyman, Sean McVeigh, who is Chief Commercial Officer and Lead Sports Scientist with Precision Sports Technology, got the nod from the three American investors. I caught up with Sean on Saturday morning and began by asking him if his success at the Alpha Innovation event had sunk in yet. I suppose so, yeah. I mean, it was uh, it was an interesting day yesterday and fair play to the organisers. It was a great event. It was, um, it was definitely something that took me outside of my comfort zone and I think probably the other pictures as well. But um, no, Emma, uh, or Emma Meehan, who's the, the founder and CEO of the company, she was fairly delighted. She was over at a conference in London, so she was delighted to get the news. But um, no, we're all delighted. It's given a good boost to the team. And as you say, it's like a... It's a nice kind of confidence boost for us and to kind of say we're on the right track and to kind of boost us going forward. You know? Before we talk uh, about yesterday's pitch and everything that's been done uh, in Rathmullen, can you talk to me a wee bit about your company and maybe what was the background to your pitch? Yeah, so I suppose Precision Sports Tech is, is um, essentially what we're doing is we're utilising LiDAR 3D depth sensor technology in your iPhone or your iPad to essentially measure human movement with the likes of athletes or uh, for physiotherapists in a, in a clinic. Um but it really drew out of a passion for for a founder, Emma Meehan, um, who is a, a passionate weightlifter. But her background is in computer science. She worked for Cisco and stuff. And this was basically a, a kind of a hobby for herself, something she wanted to use for herself. And she was working on on the side for a couple of years, and then decided, okay, that we can we can run with this. We can make something on it. And and she's been working on it for a number of years now. Um, and I suppose I I kind of met Emma probably for the first time, um, probably this time last year, um, and we kind of discussed. Um, how we can kind of bring this forward and, and look for investment and, and take it kind of further into the sports field. So, yeah, it's it's kind of gone from strength to strength. We're, we're getting very close to having our first beta product ready to go in October. We'll, we'll get that in the hands of uh, clients for the first time. Um, and, yeah, we're excited to get that feedback. And sports science is your own background? Yeah, so sports science is my background. I've worked for, I suppose, a number of sports technology companies over the last number of years. So I put sports, that sports here in Ireland, and then Fal Performance, which is an Australian company. Um, and then I've I kind of done a master's in, in high-performance sport over in Spain as well, which was um, an interesting experience. So that's very much my background. I. Sean, I, I was down in Rathbone yesterday watching on. How did you feel when you were given six minutes you were one of six pitchers to deliver in front of three US based businessmen uh, I felt okay uh, surprisingly <laughs> no I felt okay um, I suppose myself and Emma practiced this week um, it was actually the first time I've done the pitching it's usually Emma that does it so there's a bit of there's a wee bit of nerves there alright but I think we're, we're both well kind of in the know of what we're at at this stage so we're comfortable enough in getting the pitch across but I kind of had a wee glance over at the, the clock when I was finished I think I just got it in it with about four or five seconds to go so it was kind of touching go um, but no it went okay can you go back over the main points of your pitch Sean 
Yeah, so I suppose what was important for us to get across was exactly what problem we're, we're solving. So a lot of the a lot of the sports teams are, are having issues in measuring um, movement qualities of their athletes. Traditionally, how that's been done is using kind of manual um, processes or you know wearable pieces of technology, or even like really expensive motion capture systems which can cost you know hundreds of thousands of dollars and that are in um, you know university settings normally and can take a really long time to actually calibrate the system can take a really long time to actually set up for even one user so for a, a professional football team or an American football team to assess maybe 80 athletes it's going to take you the guts of a week or two um, so really we wanted to solve that issue for, for people and we also wanted to showcase how that can, can help the, the everyday gym goer as well so um, as I said in my pitch yesterday, um, around 40% of people have said that they've got injured in the gym, and that's just due to using incorrect technique when they're there. Did that figure surprise you? It definitely did, but I suppose when you when you actually get speaking to people and you, you have conversations with people, even after the pitch yesterday, I went down and was having a cup of coffee and people were coming up and saying, I'm one of those people who, who've injured myself in the gym, I've got a sore back and I'm going to physio now. So really what we're trying to do is help people understand how they're moving and, and give them feedback um, to move more safely and, and have a better quality of life too with that. As basic as it may sound, it's, it's so important at the same time, Sean, isn't it? 100%. I suppose it's, it's people's quality of life too. You have, and it ranges across from your really elite athletes to somebody who just basically wants to be able to do small things maybe with their kids or, or just everyday everyday things or maybe just go to the gym and be able to go through a workout pain-free. Like Those are really big things. Um, so for us to be able to kind of focus in on those different areas is really exciting. You mentioned uh, Mo Salah from Liverpool in your very first line. You might remind me of that again. <laughs> I had uh, yeah the first slide. I suppose we had Donovan Mitchell from the the Cleveland Cavaliers, Justin Herbert, who's the quarterback for the LA Chargers, and, and Mo Salah. I suppose I was maybe a bit bold putting that in at the start, but um, yeah. So we've actually secured those three teams as along with fifty other um, partners for our trial partners that are starting now at, before the end of the year. Um, so yeah, they're going to be using the tech along with their their teammates. Um, um, which is kind of mind blowing in a way um, from like a small startup coming out of the west of Ireland, you know. And what has been involved so far to get the business and to get those type of contacts uh, to this stage? Um, really, Emma's done an amazing job. Um, you know, with such limited kind of cash reserves over the last couple of years to kind of get the company to where it is, um, and has gone out and, and interacted and, and interviewed coaches in the elite sport world and the SNC physiotherapy world, and just had conversations and really tried to understand what problems they're having. Emma's kind of um, worked so hard and kind of attended a lot of events, and um, LinkedIn's actually a, a brilliant tool for, for networking and sharing content. And a lot of these teams have actually reached out to us, which was you know, a, a bit of a surprise, I suppose, at the start, but, like, gives you such confidence in what you're doing. Um, and it basically said to us, you know, if, if we can get this right, you know, this is something that could, could change what we're doing in terms of our processes and, and help us um, manage our athletes a lot better. So, yeah, it's it's a lot of work that's going in, but it's 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 kind of a lot of it's kind of been incoming, which is, which is really encouraging. Sean, you were number five in the list of six pitchers. What was your view of those who went before you? I thought it was a really high standard, if, if I'm honest. Um, you know, there's, there was, uh, obviously you mentioned there, the Huku balance boards where they'd over a million in, uh, in revenue done so far. Um, you had you had a company that was sending data to, to, to him back from space and you had cancer research and you had, you know, people looking to go over the ranches in the US and 
it was uh, I'm thinking, thinking well we've just got a wee app to kind of measure her stuff in the gym here so um, it was I thought the standard was really really high and I thought everybody delivered their pitches really well and dealt with the, the wee bit of a grilling as well from the Sharks really well You mentioned you have 210,000 euro uh, in funding at the minute and when it came then to the offer being made, you opted to go the private route, which is understandable. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think I'll be doing the negotiating there. We'll maybe leave that up to Emma when she comes back. Emma's at a, at a conference, as I say, in London at the minute on kind of uh, data uh, management for athletes. So um, I wasn't going to make any big calls uh, without her being there anyway. Sean, you got the nod from the audience, uh, and that vote was announced before the Sharks named the business that they were going to uh, go into business with. How confident were you once they had announced that you had got the audience winner? Um, if I'm honest, I was thinking there may have been a wee bit of a hometown favouritism there, <laughs> uh, being the I suppose the the local the local person there. Um, but I, I suppose if, if people in the room liked it, I suppose we thought we were in with a chance with getting the, the sharks investment as well. Um, and I suppose I was I was kind of confident in the sense that. Uh, the questions that they had after the pitch were not in too much detail in the sense that they seemed to really get the product and what the, what the problem was and how we were going about trying to solve it. So I suppose there's a bit of confidence that way. But I mean, I think any any of the companies there yesterday really could have could have come out on top, if you're being honest. And the fact that the product or the business had to be more or less ready to launch in the US market was key. How important was that? And how much attention did you pay to that when you were getting your pitch prepared, John? Yeah, it's something me and Emma talked about quite a bit. Um, and it's something I suppose that you know the, the size of the market in America is absolutely huge, and it's definitely where we want to get the company to. Um, and I suppose we've we've been preparing for that um, for quite a while now, in, in the sense of trying to understand each of the major sports over there, because the sporting landscape is very different to what it is here in, in Ireland and even in Europe um, in terms of just American football and baseball and basketball being the three the three biggest sports. Um, so understanding. I suppose the needs of the the coaches and athletes in those those sectors, um, and then as well at university and the high school level, understanding the needs of those, because um, you've got a range of different sports within within those organisations as well. So it's really important. We really wanted to understand how it can fit into those settings, while also looking to kind of partner with I suppose flagship um, organisations or, or clubs over there to help kind of validate us in the marketplace as well. Uh, would I be correct in in suggesting that? This is as boundless in terms of where this can go. Yeah, uh, the the lidar technology is, is it gives a lot of potential. There's a lot of potential in different ways where you can where you can go with it. Um, it's extremely accurate, and, and even with our own validation studies that we've been completing um, ourselves recently, the, the the accuracy when you're comparing it to the actual the gold standard motion capture lab is you know pretty much bang on in terms of a lot of the velocity movements of different things so that's really exciting I suppose that's nearly a double-edged sword too because you can look at the wide range of applications and metrics and exercise that we could do with it but I suppose we need to kind of be strict with ourselves and, and follow the roadmap we're on and, and kind of expand out in that later um, I think there's maybe the potential as well where you could get lost and try and do too much too soon um, but I suppose even somebody came up in the crowd yesterday and, and mentioned what about the workplace you know, and, and kind of separate the sport. So it's, that was why it was really cool to have the conversations there yesterday as well. And did you find yourself driving up from Rathmullen home to Larry Kenny, thinking and maybe going to overdrive again about future potential? Definitely. <laughs> 
definitely. I was driving up to Letter Kenny there. I was um the adrenaline was still very much going, definitely. Uh yeah, just just excited to see where we could go. It was um great confirmation for us that we're on the right path. Um and I suppose kind of sending the message down to the rest of the team, even the tech team that are based down in, in the office and saying, look, here we go, we're, we're kind of on the right track. It was a great motivator for everybody, really. We mentioned Liverpool and Mo Salah earlier. Can you give me maybe a wee flavour of, of other teams and other sports, Sean, that are involved at the minute? Yeah, so um, we've actually got some European rugby clubs as well. So Connacht Rugby have um, come on board as trial partners as well. And we actually have... Um, Tom Daly, who's a, a centre for Connacht Rugby, actually works with us um, as well, which is which is really really cool. Gives us some really cool insights, both from a, a kind of club and an athlete point of view. Um, and yeah, we, we've kind of worked, started to, or sorry, we signed um, first Major League Baseball team this week in the Oakland A's as a trial partner. Um, and yeah, so, some intercounty GA teams here in Ireland have come on board. So. Yeah, there's there's plenty more conversations going on, um, and we've we're kind of trying to keep a wide range of, um, I suppose, clubs and sports that we're speaking to. So I suppose it's not just elite sports. We want to understand the physiotherapy market and the the S and C personal trainer side of things as well. I thought that was extremely clever yesterday. You broke it down into three different categories. It was the elite, uh, there was the in between, and then there was the smaller operation. Absolutely, and, and that's that's really is the way we see it. I, I suppose the, the elite sport, um, when you look at that, you've got some of the, the best practitioners in the world operating um, operating there, and to be able to um, to speak with them people and understand the problems they're having is fantastic for us in terms of building out our product. Um, but then also, um, if they are having those problems, the likelihood is that the people in the S&C clinics or the physiotherapy clinics um, are having similar problems so it does kind of migrate down to those um, so yeah like the, the elite sports term like having these crests as well as you've seen yesterday it does validate us as a, as a company um, and it does give you the opportunity I suppose to kind of get those larger ticket sales in as well that you can then kind of branch out into the, the other sectors then Sean I was struck by a couple of figures that you mentioned yesterday one was the figure in relation to remote physiotherapy four 4.3 billion that is worth annually. The other one was in relation to sports analysis, 1.4 billion. So sports, sports science is a massive, massive business. It's a huge business, and I think there's there's other figures there. I think you know the 1.4 billion that's increasing at 25 percent year on year. Um, I really think we're only really hitting the tip of the iceberg when it comes to you know where we're going to go in, in sports technology and, and sports tech and even remote physiotherapy so Chris Carr who actually works with us as well has uh, he owns a physio chain here in Ireland and Australia um, and in Australia it's, it's obviously a, a huge country and remote physiotherapy for elderly patients is actually a, a pretty big thing there um, so yeah like been able to understand how we can we can fit into those markets and, and integrate potentially with other players in the sector will be will be huge for us. Um, but even when you think about how that can impact you know environmental things, so if somebody doesn't have to travel halfway across the country, you know, or hop on a flight to go and see somebody, you know, they can just open up their app on their phone and do their assessment, and the 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 coach or their physiotherapist is getting that you know miles away is, is a positive thing as well. In your view, is that the key selling point? Um, it's definitely a key selling point. Yeah, um, I think I think there's just lots of potential. I, I think I think there's multiple selling points to it. You know, I think the accuracy that and um, so a, a big thing for coaches as well is they like to use their their eye to to assess movement as well. But I suppose we're kind of linking the two. So as we're recording the video and they can play it back later, they're linking that, but they're also getting the objective data as well to to kind of confirm what they're seeing.
So there's a cost-saving measure, there's injury prevention, and I'm sure it speeds up the recovery process. There's huge time saving in terms of we kind of think of it as in a way as like we're we're giving them an extra member of staff um, because of what they're able to do. Um, so they're able to save so much more time. You're, like for example, an NFL team will be able to assess a full squad in a morning as opposed to trying to do it maybe across a couple of weeks where they kind of stagger it out. So we kind of feel that we're we're giving them like an extra member of staff and just speeding up their processes and, and allowing them to do things that they mightn't have been able to do. Sports science is your thing, Sean. How much has changed in that world since you started studying and graduated? Um, it's just changing like like everything and technology is changing really really fast and, and technology is advancing advancing and we see now with AI all the different capabilities and advancements that are happening when I, when I was at college um, the big thing that was coming out was GPS and that was just kind of getting started and you see companies like Statsports kind of going so global now um, but even those were quite awkward to use at times but um, to kind of see where they've gone to see the advancements in, in terms of you know how to monitor hamstring strength and there's force plates out there now that um, there's technology basically in every clinic, every football club, every GA club now. Um, so yeah, it's 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 advancing really 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 quickly. Um, and for us, that's also going to be a bit of a, a bit of a challenge to kind of keep with that. Um, but yeah, it's it's exciting to be, to be a part of that. To be honest, just going back to the investment uh, that you secured one hundred thousand dollars. What is the plan for that investment, Sean? So, so for us, um, it's it's about getting those key partners in the US. Um, there are some kind of flagship events that we want to attend in the US next year to, in terms of getting in front of people um, that we've identified. So there obviously be a cost for that. Um, and yeah, we'd probably love to get uh, some feet on the ground over there at some point as well in terms of in terms of staff. Sean, you're still extremely active yourself. Uh, a noted hurler and uh, footballer. Back with the big ball now with St. Unions, the hurling season's over, and the quarterfinals. What is your view on what is coming down the road? Yeah, still very active, Kieran. Some would probably say too bloody active <laughs> at this stage still, but uh, hanging on there, to be honest. But uh, yeah, it's it's enjoyable. Um, we've obviously got a bit of a break now for a couple of weeks um, before the quarterfinal. It allows us to get a bit of work done, um, but it's enjoyable. Like There's such a good buzz about and the there there's a good crop of younger lads as part of our team as well, which is great crack. They're always going to get at me and even Doc and Peter Devine and boys like that. But um, it's good time. We're, we're excited. Um, we're disappointed, I suppose, after last year's county final um, but no I think there's a good buzz about it and I think we're going in the right direction You're one of a, a few players who I often look at in amazement that are able to sort of keep the, the Gaelic football and the hurling going at the one time Sean how difficult is that? It's it's definitely difficult. It's it's something I don't like to complain about, to be honest, because I love it. I love playing hurling. I love playing Gaelic. I love playing for St. Unions. Like so, I, I don't ever really like to say it, talk about it in the negative kind of context. But um, it definitely is a challenge, and I definitely don't think you're helped by by fixtures and and things like that. I think there there could be a number of changes that could be done to accommodate um, dual clubs. Um, and I'm not even just talking about St. Unions. I'm talking about other dual clubs where you've Burt and Bunkrana and teams like that. I just think you know if you're playing two important games either two days in a row or within three days it's just really not on um, but yeah we absolutely love it we're lucky that in our club in a way we've got two understanding management teams and you can you can focus on you know 
whatever is the most important game coming up within that um, and I suppose there's a bit of a trust there they, they know with us that we're putting in the work as well we're not we're not skiving and telling one, one side that we're doing one thing and the other side that we're doing another Tell me how much attention do you pay yourself to data in relation to your own body and your own performance? That's a good question. Um, I would probably wouldn't pay, pay pay as much attention as you might think, considering I work in sports technology. Um, but that's probably just because I'm I'm surrounded by it every day. Um, I do like to to keep an eye on how much I sleep, um, how much kind of water intake, simple basic things like that. Because I find that they impact probably most most of my my performance, both at work and in in sports. If I don't get a good night's sleep, then I know that the performance is going to dip completely. Um, I would have used obviously output a lot within my own gym training, um, just tracking velocities of the bar speed and stuff to get to know your your um, your training in, in in the zone that you want to be training in. Um, and we've obviously got a very good SNC coach Neil Barrett there at the minute as well, who does a lot of that tracking for us. Tell me, what is the best lesson that you've learned in your business life so far? Ooh. the best lesson that you've learned. Um. Be uncomfortable and go with it is probably the best thing that I've... It's probably something that kind of goes back to yesterday as well. Um, I think when it comes to your, your career, um, you know, it, there's a lot of similarities when you compare it to sport. And I think when you're in sport and you're there a long time, you feel very comfortable in that environment. You're used to it. You can speak up. You can you can plan things. You can look at what the opposition is doing and different things. I think then when you go into your career, you're maybe just not as far down the line in that. Um, so maybe there's a wee bit of resistance to uh, putting yourself out, out there. So, so I would definitely recommend getting uncomfortable. So was that the mindset that you brought with you when you marched up and delivered your pitch yesterday? 100%, yeah. Funny, I was sitting I was sitting at the side before I went up and I was thinking, I feel like I'm sitting in the change room here before you go out and play a big game. You know when you're younger and you're nervous before a big a county final or something? So I do know, Sean, you are competitive by nature. That's not a question, that's a statement. <laughs> that's probably fair. And just looking down the line, Sean, what do you see happening now for precision? Um, for, for us, the real the real focus and drive is is getting the product out in clients' hands and and getting that feedback and and kind of going from there. And early next year, it's about getting the show on the road and, and get people, I suppose, purchasing purchasing our product and and building on building on the success to date in terms of raising money and building a team. It's really about getting the show on the road in terms of the product now and getting it out in people's hands. And I suppose uh, one other um, a key point that we're we're looking to finalise before the end of the year as well is we're, we're closing our, our pre seed funding round. Um, so I suppose we're still very open to having conversations with people around uh, investment and funding. Um, so we're looking to close that out before the end of the year as well. And where can people get more information? on that John so people can go to precisionsportstech.com or they can um, shoot myself or Emma I suppose a, a message on, on LinkedIn or, or even through the website Sean McVeigh Chief Commercial Officer and Lead Sports Scientist with Precision Sport Technology thanks for taking the time to talk to us on Business Matters and many congratulations on your success yesterday thank you Karen. John T. Fries was one of the three U.S. investors who backed Sean McVeigh's plans to scale up Precision Sports Technology on Friday afternoon. The retired businessman, whose father was born and raised in Kilmacrennan, was presented with the Tip O'Neill Irish Diaspora Award at a function in Bunkrana the following evening. I spoke to John after he and his fellow Sharks selected the winning pitch. John, you are very welcome to Business Matters. Hey, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. 
John, your father hailed from Kilmercrennan, not that far away from here, and you're in Rathmullen for the Alpha Innovation event on Friday afternoon. How have you found the experience? Oh, absolutely amazing. Yeah, we, I've done a few of these before back in Philadelphia. Uh, but this is a different venue. Obviously, we're in Donegal. And uh, yes, my dad was born in Kilmercrennan. He was born 1900. Okay, and uh, I'm not really totally sure when he left. I think, you know, my sister tells me it was 1923, and he left with his two sisters. One was 16. You know, uh, they left like a lot of people because of, you know, not an opportunity to make a good living over here. And uh, he landed in Philadelphia and, and made a nice life for himself and six kids, and he managed to put us all through college. And... Uh, so through much struggle and sacrifice that he endured here and, and in the United States, he, you know, we, we are where we are today because of him. So, And where were you in the family, John? I was fourth, fourth out of six. And uh, unfortunately, two have passed away. So my other three remaining siblings are here with me for the event tomorrow. So we're, we're spent uh, three days down in... Um, in Dublin, and I'm not sure if there's any vodka left down there, but maybe there is some, yeah, right. <laughs> John, you were one of the judges in the Alpha event uh, in Rathmullen House here this afternoon. Six businesses uh, pitched their ideas to yourself and two other sharks. Yeah. How did you find all that? Yeah, very interesting. Uh, you know, we did, it wasn't exactly cold, so we, you know, we asked for their deck, you know, which is a summary of their capabilities, uh, and, uh, it was very interesting. We had some preconceived ideas of who we thought were the winner. And, of course, you know, as it played out, some or a lot of them were, were better than we thought. Okay? And there was two farm products. One was a farm product, which was a weighing of the cows and etc. which, as I, I begged off on that because I grew up in the city, and so did Mark, the other judge. But Mike, fortunately, he had a lot of great questions. But that we learned a lot from that presentation. And as I said, it was a lot, the pitch was a lot better than what the deck was, okay? Mm. And uh, we saw a lot of upside. We saw a lot of upside on a lot of the companies. Uh, you know, we had a tough choice. Yeah. Did the quality of the pitches surprise you? Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah, we, 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 you know, you look at Donegal, and it's you know, maybe big in territory and square footage, but you know, I think there's 165, 170,000 people. So there's a lot of young entrepreneurs here, and we find it very enlightening and very encouraging. Yeah. John, during the event, uh, you used the opportunity to tell the audience a bit about yourself. Yeah. Could you do the same for our listeners sure. here? Yeah. Uh, I've, been in, I've been working for about 50 years. And I've had three main jobs, if you will. One might say I can't keep a job, but that's another story. But I did spend uh, 24 years in the computer business in the early days, uh, primarily in sales and marketing. You know, my wife says, you you know, technology today, you can't even turn these things on, you know, let alone fix them. You know, I never, never could. But... Uh, you know, and I had a little niche within the computer business, which was, was in the healthcare business. And that kind of led into my second career. And that was a healthcare consulting company. 
and we manage distressed HMOs, and that's a foreign term here in, in, uh, in Ireland, and HMO is a health maintenance organization, and there's roughly five, six hundred in the United States, and uh, it's really a, a health insurance company. And in the United States, we have a system that you you sign up for health care, and the, we were an intermediary. This company, the HMO, would arrange for services, meaning providers, whether that be with doctors or hospitals. And so we took the premium money from the people, and we negotiated contracts on the other end with the doctors. And if there was anything left over, that was our money, okay? So... Uh, uh, and a lot, and with talk of socialized medicine in, in the United States in the 90s, a lot of people said, geez, I can go out and do that. And a lot of uh, practices, doc practices and hospitals decided to start their own HMO, and a lot of them got in financial trouble. And Just we were the company that went in and bailed them out. Sorry, John. Just in relation to the scale and what size it was when it began and what size did it become? Our, our company? Yeah. Well, yeah, we were turnaround guys. So we would come in and take the companies that were in real trouble, you know, right ready to go out of business, and we would come in and try to save them. Okay? And we were involved in 13 of them, and we saved every one of them. Okay? And then we got involved in one at the end, and they weren't quite as bad as the other ones. So we were able to turn it real fast and then make money. And here's the thing that really amazed me. They had five owners. You know, uh, one was uh, all four of them were hospitals, and one was a, a European insurance company called Fortis. And when they were losing money, they were all in agreement. Okay, the minute they started making money, then it was called something like distribution. Then they were at each other's throats. Okay, and so after two years or three years of running it, and we turned it around and was making a lot of money, they really didn't know what to do with it. So we said, myself and my partner, we said that we would we would buy it. Okay, so as I say, two kids from the streets of Philadelphia, myself and my partner, running a billion dollar company. But when we took it over, it was to give you some numbers. It was three hundred fifty million in sales. Okay, losing thirty million dollars. No, yeah, losing thirty million dollars. Okay, and when we left, it wasn't quite a billion, so I overestimated. It was nine hundred fifty million in sales and. We were making a lot of money. <laughs> That's a lot of dollars, John. Yeah, it was. But it's a high premium, low margin business. I mean, a lot of revenue, but you don't, you know, you make, they make three to four percent. And you sold that business in 2006? We sold it to United Healthcare, okay. which has a big, big location here called Optum. Can you tell me how much you got for it? No, I can't. <laughs> I have to ask. Yeah. John, you There's only five people that know that. Yeah. My wife, my kids, and one of my other partners. John, you went into the equity business. And yeah. Well, you know, I retired at 62 years old. You know, I, I made a fair amount of money. When you grew up in the streets of Philadelphia, you know, a million dollars is a lot of money. So, uh, you know, and I was still active. I was still very young. Why equity after uh, well, my, my degree, computers and healthcare? Well, my degree is in accounting. I'm an accounting degree. So you got there eventually? Yeah, so, and I never worked at it. You know, I told people I had too much personality to be an accountant. So, <laughs> But you were able to bring huge uh, experience, John, and massive learnings in your previous careers 
to what you went into an equity then? Yeah. I always was interested in businesses, how they worked, you know, how they made money, you know, what, what it took to be the entrepreneur and, you know, how did they judge them just like we reviewed today, okay? So yeah. the, the equity business and the equity market would have been a huge, hugely different place from when it was when you were tuning to go into that business? Well, I was an accounting major, okay, and everything revolves around the numbers, and you have to be able to read a balance sheet, and you got to be able to do a sales forecast, and you got to be able to manage your money, okay, and you got to pay people, and you got to deal with people. So, you know, people say, geez, John, you made a great career, you were a salesman. Well, you know, every successful company, the presidents of the company were salesmen at one time, whether they sold a product or sold themselves or they sold other people to join their company. So uh, I viewed them all as a said then. So I have a I have an outgoing personality. The sales sales position was natural for me, and I was one of the few guys that had a financial background and a sales you know, expertise. Do you still work every day? No, no, I do not. Uh, uh, we have a small venture firm. Uh, there's two or three. I, I have a partner in the Philadelphia area. He's uh, one of the leading you know, businessmen in Philadelphia, and he has a large firm, and he does a lot of things wrapped around money. So he has a large venture firm, and he's specific on what he invests in, and it's always going concerns, companies that are making a lot of money, and he'll lend them five, ten. $20 million, whatever, okay? He has a fund that he raised, and so that's where the money comes from. But a lot of them might be startups. They have a great idea. You know, they don't have a track record. And so if it doesn't fit his requirement of his fund, then he says, why don't we look at it? So he gets the deal flow when we look at it. So consequently, I don't have to work every day. So, and, you know, so when we do find one, you know, we try to assist the people. Usually they're young entrepreneurs, just as we experience today. And we try to glean out, and we try to work with them, and we try to mentor them and give them some of the best that we had over the 50 years. Okay? Yeah, John, you, you mentioned your, your mentoring advice and your mentoring skills. That was one of the reasons that you have been awarded with the Tap O'Neill Award, and you're going to receive that in Bunkrana tomorrow night? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, it's an award that they give in three or four categories, and one is business, one is healthcare, one is in the culture and arts. Uh, I just can't remember what the other one is, but yeah, I was fortunate to get the business one. My uh, the fellow judge here today, Mark Beata, who's built a great company, and he's got a location here in uh, Dublin. It's a home healthcare, you know. Uh, uh, company and nurse uh, providing nurse services to home services home, home health people. Uh, he got the award last year and he recommended me. So that's one of the reasons why. And what does it mean for a first generation to be coming back and getting an award? Yeah, well, that's one of the requirements. It's the Diasporas. I don't know if I'm pronounced Diasporas Award, which means uh, they're the people who were displaced from their country. So obviously my dad, like a lot of other people, were displaced because there wasn't a lot of work. Okay, it was that simple. So we had to go get a better life you know, in the United States. And so uh, I, I was fortunate that, you know, so I'm first generation Irish, you know, and uh, and fortunately, we were able. To, he was able to build a better life for us in the United States. More opportunities. Okay. And do you get the opportunity to come back to Ireland often, John? 
Uh, this is maybe my fourth or fifth trip. Yeah, I still have relatives here. Uh, we mentioned the, the postmaster general in the small little town my dad was from, Gil McCrennan, uh, Eddie Fries. Unfortunately, he died a few years ago, but he was the postmaster for a long time. And as I understand, uh, it's been in his family for over 100 years, and it's been passed down through his grandmother to his father, I believe, and then Eddie, and now he just passed it on to his daughter. So it's going to continue in the family. John, one of a number of questions that I ask my guests is the best lesson that they've learned in business. Oh, so geez, that's a tough one. Yeah. Uh, what's been the best lesson for yourself? Uh, I don't know. Uh, best lesson? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, I guess uh, knowing your expect, knowing your limitations. All right. You know, a lot of people try to do what they just don't have any expertise in. So know what you do best and master that and just see if you can't take that to the next step. You know, like you know, I worked in the computer business. You know, I was a salesman because I knew I could sell them. But to ask me to fix one or ask me to program for one, I have no idea. Okay. And I wouldn't know where to start. But, you know, I got sales awards where those people couldn't get, you know, the awards. I couldn't, you know, they couldn't do what I did and vice versa. So know your expectations, you know, know your limitations and work within it. Yeah. And finally, John, what does the future hold for yourself and Uh your own business? I don't uh, I'm 80 years old, so, you know, people say, when are you going to retire? I, I retired in 2006. Uh, you know, this is, this is fun for me. You know, it's the old, you know, when you're doing what you, what you will like, you know, every, every day, it's not going to work. It's fun, okay? And that's where I am. You know, I have uh, two children, and I have six grandchildren. Uh, you know, I have houses at the shore, in, in the Jersey Shore, and one lives next door to me, and one lives around the corner. So for four months of the year, I'm with my grandkids just about every day, and, and that's very rewarding. Uh, we have six of them in, in age from uh, eight, soon to be nine, to 17. So I've seen most of them grow up. And, uh, yeah, you can't put a price tag on that. Yeah. John Fries, retired businessman. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us on Business Matters. Oh, you're quite welcome. Thank you. Join us after the break when we will be talking to Larissa Feeney about the Acorns 9 programme, the deadline for which is fast approaching. Business Matters in association with ATU Donegal Faculty of Business. Now is the time to realise your potential by enrolling on the part-time degree in business. Only three years with one evening per week on campus and another online. Open up your future by contacting the faculty office on 9186206 or visit lyit.ie today. I am delighted to be joined on Business Matters by Larissa Feeney, CEO of Accountant Online and Letterkenny Chamber of Commerce, Business Person of the Year Award winner for 2022, who is a lead entrepreneur on the Acorns 9 programme, which commences next month. Larissa, you are very welcome to Business Matters. Hi, Karen. Delighted to be here. Larissa, the fact that Acorns is on year number nine is proof that there is a big demand for such an initiative and there is great success coming from the initiative. It is. Acorns has been running now for, this is the ninth year, as you said. About 400 female entrepreneurs have gone through the programme in the first eight years. Um, and that is proof that, as you say, there's a demand for the programme and there's a need in rural Ireland for support for female entrepreneurs who are starting a new business. And it's a six-month programme. What are the steps? 
Okay, so it's a structured six-month program. It's one day a month, not even a day, like a half a day a month. So one session a month, and every month we go through a different topic. So essentially, there are groups of female entrepreneurs who are led by a lead entrepreneur, and there's usually about seven or eight on every table. And every month we go through a different area of business, such as you know sales and marketing, for example, finance, operations, strategy. And we take the entrepreneurs through the program, through a journey, um, going through the main pillars of business and helping them understand what's important and crucially every business around the table is in a different industry so there's no comp- competitor issues but everybody helps each other so everybody's at the same stage usually business have businesses have either just started or maybe even in the idea stage so everybody's very early in their journey and they can really bring their strengths to help others on the table as well you mentioned pillars larissa have those pillars changed to any great extent over the last eight years not really. They've been refined a little bit like under the headings. The format has been refined a little bit. But generally speaking, the pillars remain the same because the, uh, any area that a business person is concerned about is usually common across all businesses like cash flow, for example, raising money, you know, how to, you know, where do you go for funding? How do I find my customers? How do I profile my customers? That's, you know, generally common across all businesses. Uh, how many candidates will be selected for this year's program? There's going to be 50 candidates selected. So there's about seven or eight lead entrepreneurs and those 50 candidates will be spread across those leads. Um, now there's generally speaking, there could be four to five applicants for every place on Acorns. So it's really important that if you're interested in applying that you complete and submit by this closing date and give us as much information as you possibly can in your application form about you and your business. Larissa, you were involved in a similar program you Yourself when starting out in business? Yes. So Acorns has only been around for the last eight years, as we said. I did the, the program called Going for Growth, which is the same kind of structure as Acorns. Um, and that was back in 2015, I think I did it. And that really helped me, as, as you can imagine, at that stage, my business was very small. And it really helped open my eyes as to what was possible in business. And it introduced me to other women in business who were at a similar stage that I was. And I could see the potential that I never saw before. Uh, so that is was really important whenever you're in early stage business in rural Ireland that you have the support of the network that isn't as easy perhaps to come across in rural Ireland as it is in urban centres and that's what I found was really beneficial to my business. What are the main challenges facing female entrepreneurs in rural areas at the moment? For me I feel that in a lot of cases it's the lack of networking because if you live in an urban centre in a city you have a lot of options available to you you know most nights of the week really in terms of networking and getting out there meeting your customers or potential customers in rural Ireland it's not as easy we may have long distances to travel Um, the events may not be there or they aren't there certainly not every night of the week so it's harder that's what I feel is a major challenge the other challenge that women specifically have is around confidence and support that's been proven that females who start businesses you know may suffer from a lack of confidence or a lack of support and that may limit them in terms of their potential. Networking and getting support from organisations and groups like Acorns can really help overcome that. And people who have embarked on the project have gone on to bigger and better things and yourself as a prime example of that? There's loads of examples. It's 
such an amazing community. Once you're in it and once you've completed the program, there is, you know, opportunities for further development, for further workshops, for further learning. Every year the community comes together to do networking and to do further learning. And there's loads of examples of female businesses who have grown, who employ, who export and who've had great success that have come through the Acorns program. Do you still find yourself picking up uh, learnings during the duration of the programme? Oh, absolutely. I learned so much. This is my fourth year, going into my fourth, fourth year now, and it's it's just fantastic for me to go through all the applications to um, to help select those that, that may be successful um, and to bring them through the programme. And I do learn from them in every single session that we do. They bring different perspectives, different opinions, and I've taken so much back to my own business, and they've really helped me continue to grow accountant online. Is there any one candidate or one business during your association with Acorns that sort of comes to mind? Oh my goodness, there are so many that have come through the programme. If we look at Graw Chocolates in um, in the West of Ireland, for example, or Holla Skin Care, also in the West of Ireland, there's so many examples of female businesses that have done amazing as a result of coming through Acorns. And for those looking to sign up, Larissa, what steps should they take? So if you log on to acorns.ie, you'll see that there's a form on there that you can complete to let the guys know that you're interested in the program. And then you just complete the application form um, and send it in in time for the deadline. And when is the course uh, going to commence in earnest, Larissa? Well, selection is at the end of, uh, or sorry, at the start of October. And then the course will start at the end of October so there's a couple of dates that are set in the diary already that's the beginning of the course which I think is the 23rd 24th of October and the end of the course in April and the days the sessions between October and April are set at each individual table and before I let you go I can't not mention your award last year Lydia Kennedy Chamber of Commerce Business Person of the Year for 2022 I'm sure a proud moment for yourself, your company and your family. Oh, it was fantastic. I just I just loved it. Um, I, I got such a shock whenever I was selected. Um, it was an amazing award because of all the awards that we've entered over the years, we always enter them and we always, you know, attend and hope that we win. But this one, I was selected. Um, and that to me was just amazing and something that I'll never forget. And how is business? Business is doing great. We're very lucky. We're continuing to grow. Um, it's always challenging in an environment and economy like this where it really is an employee market. So, you know, we, we're very lucky. We have great people. We've got a great team. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's business going well. And this is a busy time of the year for yourself? This is the busiest time of the year for us. Um, we're entering into tax return season. So for any self-employed people or directors of limited companies, it's time to get the tax return in. So if any of our clients are listening to us, um, please get your records in as soon as you can can guys Larissa Finney CEO of Accountant Online and lead entrepreneur with the Acorns programme thanks for taking the time to talk to us on Business Matters thanks Karen. well that's our lot for this edition of Business Matters thanks to my guests Sean McVeigh John T. Fries and Larissa Finney thanks to Kenneth Wilson on sound and thanks to you for listening if you'd like to get in touch with the programme drop an email to businessmatters at hidenradio.com Business Matters in association with ATU Donegal Faculty of Business. Now is the time to realise your potential by enrolling on the part-time degree in business. Only three years with one evening per week on campus and another online. Open up your future by contacting the faculty office on 9186206 or visit lyit.ie today.